0: Thank you so much for listening to The Jesus Family Podcast, where we want to help you follow Jesus and find family. We are in a teaching series called You Are What You Think, how the enemy attacks you, how to fight back, and how to know that you're winning. These episodes are recorded live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube. And then I will take that, edit it down, and release it the following Monday for The Jesus Family Podcast. So if you want to watch any of these episodes live, Please join me this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Facebook or YouTube. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 16. This is going to be the last episode in a series that I've been doing uh, all fall on spiritual warfare and it's on uh, Ephesians 6. And if you, you're with me this far into the series, thank you so much. Uh, it's It's been such a journey for me. I hope that you've learned something, that you've been encouraged along the way. Uh, the the passage that has really just kind of um, driven this is Ephesians chapter six. And I we've been tearing it apart piece by piece, but I wanna read it all together um, as I give some final thoughts. Uh, Ephesians 6, Verses 10 through 17, the, the passage that really has driven this entire series, says this Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god now that passage just inspired me as a middle school boy sitting in church trying to follow along with whatever the preacher was saying that week and i had visions of swords and shields and helmets and of course that excited my mind and my imagination and always kind of just stuck in the back of my mind trying to figure out what it was and if you remember from several episodes ago i would say that whenever i go into a christian bookstore i would find a section on uh just commentaries i would always go to ephesians and i would always go to ephesians 6 because i wanted to see if anyone could crack the code of what this actually talked about because i mean they don't hand out literal swords and shields at church but paul tells us to take up the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith so What exactly is he talking about? And so I wanted to use this opportunity really just as a way to stretch myself, to dive deeper into the text. And I learn best when I teach others because it forces me to process it in a way. Um, So even if you didn't get anything out of this, this has been incredibly helpful to me. And I hope that in some way it's been helpful to you as well. Now, if you're listening or watching this in real time, it's been a couple of weeks Since episode 15, when we finished with part two of The Sword of the Spirit, um, that was intentional, not just because of the Thanksgiving break, but because I knew I had one episode left, and I wanted to try to recap it. I wanted to try to sit, and I needed to kind of process um, what I've been learning, um, some of the theories that I brought into the study, and how those have changed, or been confirmed, or just been completely just blown out of the water we've been looking so much at the at the trees i wanted to take a step back and try to give you a view of the forest Um, and so it's been it's great for me just to kind of sit and uh, recap some of that and i want to give you 10 things 10 takeaways that at least at this moment i'm walking away from this series Uh, and i want to share those with you and i hope that they're somehow encouraging to you as well so here are my final thoughts from this series That started off being called, You Are What You Think. And then I changed it to, A First Century Guide to Defeating the Devil. And now even at the end, just thinking about it, I might have one more title uh, that I may change it to if I ever taught this again. So we'll talk about that in point number nine. But let's go through some final thoughts of what what I've learned and how I've grown through this series. And hopefully this will reflect your journey as well. So I'm just going to put these up here. Uh, the first is this: definitely focus on what's attached to the armor. One of the things that um, I had a, a hunch about through some initial study was that Paul's main focus wasn't necessarily on the piece of armor, but what was on atta- what was attached to the armor. So rather than talk about shields, we need to look at faith and how faith is played out in the Christian life. Rather than talking about breastplates, we need to talk about righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. The emphasis is on righteousness not necessarily the piece of armor. And that was one of the things that always frustrated me with so many of the um, commentaries was, all the commentary was, well, here's why swords were important to the Roman soldier and here's why helmets were important to the Roman soldier. Okay, that's great. But what about faith? What about righteousness? How does that all play uh, into it? So walking through this, I am absolutely convinced that that is the right track, that that we need to definitely, if you really want to unpack and understand the uh, the armor of God, spiritual warfare, we need to focus on what's attached to the armor. So for me, that was confirmed. Second takeaway, I would say, is the armor, and this is kind of a disappointment to me, the armor is not a magic spell. It's the book of Ephesians. So one of the things I was always hoping, you know, you read stories of these MacGuffins, these magical, you know, Things. If you could just get this, you could turn the tide or it's, you know, if you're a Harry Potter fan, it's the one spell that could just defeat Voldemort, you know, that spiritual warfare and finally figuring out what each specific piece of the armor of God was and how it interacted was the key to defeating the devil. And it is, it is the key to defeating the devil, but it's not this secret MacGuffin, it's not the spell, it's not this, this magical, mystical armor you have to go on a quest to, to, to put on. Ephesians 6, the more I dove into it, the more I realized it, he's recapping everything he's just taught in the book of Ephesians. So the armor is not a magic spell. It's not this, you know, set of armor that you have to find somewhere in some Middle Eastern cavern that's been waiting away for, you know, thousands of years. It is a recap of the book of Ephesians. So if you really want to understand spiritual warfare, read and understand the entire book of Ephesians. That's where the focus is. It's not on a mystical piece of armor or set of armor. It's the book of Ephesians. Everything that he talked about, he had already previously talked about. So when he talks about faith, he had already mentioned faith several times. When he mentions the Spirit, he had already mentioned the Spirit several times. Even when he talks about readiness, he had talked about that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, I believe. So All of the armor of God is predated and, you know, just kind of planted throughout the book of Ephesians. So he's just really tying up some loose ends and putting it all together in a bow when he's going through the armor of God. He's not necessarily introducing a new topic to the Ephesians. He is reinforcing and reiterating what he had been teaching for six chapters up to this point. That's the second thing. Third thing, third final thought I would say that the armor of god this was a big shift for me the armor of god is much more communal than individual meaning i thought a a unique way to teach this would be hey you you know you are what you think Um, the devil's primary method of attack is through deception so he's going to try to get into your head and so i my initial approach was to this was hey we're going to teach of how do you put on truth and how do you live righteousness and the focus was you 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 but really, um, starting with righteousness, the second one, and then really cemented with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, it became clear to me that when Paul was talking about this, he was not talking about you and your headspace and your well being and, you know, your serenity. He was talking about you, you all, y'all. He was talking about the church, the communal. So, um, this has a much more of a communal aspect than an individual aspect. And for me, that was something that even subconsciously, I had to to just take off my Western individualistic mindset and try to look at it the way that Paul looked at it through in, in the first century, which was very communal, community-oriented, not individually-oriented. That's the third thing. The fourth thing I would say as a wrap would be really what I just said, number two, but I, I just wanted to repeat it because for me, it's just drilling at home. The best way to understand the armor is to understand the entire letter of of the Ephesians. If you want to, un, want to understand faith, don't just look at all the other times the Old Testament or the New Testament talks about faith. Look at how Paul uses the term faith, and specifically, how does he use the term faith in the book of Ephesians? He is building a case. Paul is very... Um, intentional in the way that he constructs his argument he layers it almost like a layer like a lawyer building a case for instance the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace that word readiness uh we on the episode of of feet with the readiness we talked about how he talks about that and the gospel of peace and this this beautiful conversation he has in ephesians 2 and it's sharing the gospel with those to whom god has called us to um, and so, he, if you want to understand what the feat of readiness is, you need to understand Ephesians 2. So, the best way to understand the armor is to understand the entire letter of the Ephesians. So, it's not just enough to memorize four or five verses, recite it like a mantra, and hope that that somehow you know, protects you from the work of the devil. You need to understand, I need to understand, we need to understand the entire letter of the Ephesians. So, again... I wish I could say it was a magic spell, and you just learn one or two things, and you're good. But it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing if you really want to understand uh, spiritual warfare. Number five. I would argue this is a new theory that I'm walking away with: is that we can reverse engineer the armor of God, or we can reverse engineer this passage to discover the schemes of the devil. Paul says we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. So he wants us to put on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. So a natural question is, what are the devil's schemes? Is his job just to, I don't know, make you sit at a red light for an extra five minutes? Is it to give you cancer? Is it to make you lose your job? Like what are the schemes of the devil? Well, my theory walking away from this is that I think we can take these six pieces of the armor of God and reverse engineer um, what these pieces of armor protect to see what what the devil is trying to attack. For instance, okay, the belt of truth. Well, I think if truth is the first foundational piece of the armor of God, then I think we can make an argument that the devil is going to try to attack truth with deception which is jesus talks about this in john chapter eight that the satan is a liar and the father of lies so when we talk about righteousness right living that's right living towards others how we treat others is an incredibly important part neglected and sometimes forgotten part of spiritual warfare and so i think we can reverse engineer that to say that well the devil is going to try everything he can to get us to mistreat, to harm, to neglect each other, and I think we can see fruit of that all throughout the world of how we treat others, especially those that don't look like us, act like us, share our values, or even share our beliefs. So when we talk about the readiness that comes from the Gospel of Peace, it's this inclination, this uh, this forward leaning anticipation to share the good news of Jesus with those. To whom God has prepared us. And so that you know requires us to listen to the Spirit, to be aware, to actually, you know see what God is doing, and also to interact with others. And so anything that the devil can do to isolate us, to get us to be fearful or to get us to feel like we don't know enough or we're not smart enough, we're not educated enough to to share the gospel with others, that is the devil's scheme. So I think you can reverse engineer each of these six pieces of the armor of God. Of, of what the Spirit is trying to do in our lives, to see how that's trying to counteract what the devil is doing. So I do think it is very instructive towards the schemes of the devil, and you know, you follow that train of thought. If you understand what this, you know, how the devil is trying to attack you, then you're trying to understand. Then you have a better understanding of his priorities and what's really important to him, what's really important to the spiritual world. And I think it's just a, it's a great way to kind of reset our priorities because I think the things that we think is important, (laughs) I think in the grand scheme of things, aren't that important. And the things that we neglect are the things that in the heavenly realms are incredibly important. So that's number five. Halfway done. Number six. Sixth thought is the devil would love it if we only apply the armor to ourselves. And again, I've repeated myself this, that it's more than more communal than individual. And this is me just reiterating that again. I think if we walk away from this, and if I just walk away from this thinking, okay, how can I wrap myself in truth? And how can I be a righteous person? And how can I be a ready person? And if we just focus on me, 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 and how this applies to me, I think the devil's happy with that. Because this is such an outward-focused, communal, community, fellowship, church-based teaching that if we only apply it to ourselves, I think the devil will count that as a win. So it's not just how do we take up the shield of faith, but how do we take up the shield of faith with others, for others, and to others? How do we engage in the sword of the Spirit? It's not just Bible memorization, but how do we speak the words of Jesus for others, with others, to others? So if we only apply it to ourselves, that's, that's defeating the whole purpose of the armor of God because the armor of God is communal. It's not just individual. Okay, so that's the sixth piece of uh, wisdom, final thought I would, I would say. Number seven, this is uh, just me trying to really boil down the armor of God to its absolute basics and revolving everything around Jesus Here's just the, some of the first thoughts that came to my mind. These might not necessarily be the last things I would put if I had hours and hours and hours to spend. But if you really, if my elevator pitch of what the armor of God is, the belt of truth is thinking like Jesus, saturating our minds with truth. The breastplate of righteousness is acting like Jesus towards others. The feet fitted with the readiness is sharing the gospel with others like Jesus. The shield of faith is trusting like Jesus. The helmet of salvation is changing or transforming or being transformed like Jesus. And the sword of the spirit is speaking like Jesus, speaking the word of God, like Jesus spoke the word of God. So it all has to do with Jesus. And if I had to sum up the six pieces of the armor of God, it would be this. The belt of truth is thinking like Jesus. Breastplate of righteousness is acting like Jesus the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is sharing like Jesus the shield of faith trusting like Jesus helmet of salvation changing or being transformed like Jesus and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God is speaking like Jesus number 8 it's a reminder to me that this is an advanced playbook for those already experienced this Passage is an advanced playbook for those already experienced in spiritual warfare. Meaning, when you look at Ephesians 6, Paul wasn't just writing a theoretical term paper on what spiritual warfare was. He was writing a specific letter to a specific group of people, and a lot, not all, but a lot of their story is recorded in the book of Acts. And so if you look at the events surrounding the formation of the church in Ephesus, where this letter was written, you'll see that there is spiritual warfare all over the place. Paul was healing people. This was the time in his ministry where You know, uh, Paul would touch a handkerchief and the handkerchief would go somewhere and it would just heal somebody. This is the time where um, seven sons of Siva, which is the Jewish high priest in that area, try to cast out a demon. And the demon says, Jesus, I know and Paul, I've heard about, but who were you? And this demon-possessed man whooped up all seven of them and sent them fleeing naked. And so word of this just went everywhere. That was a huge spiritual encounter. Um, And then Luke, the author of Acts, also records that... There was this huge surge in interest in the gospel. That people would bring their sorcerer scrolls uh, and their sorcery and their ma- magic and stuff, and they would they burned it because they were now you know pledging their allegiance to Christ. And it was this huge you know financial loss. And in the, and at the end, there was this there was actually a riot in Ephesus because this worship of Jesus began to impact the economy because uh, the temple of Diana or the temple of Artemis was there and the sale of religious relics associated with that temple drove a lot of the industry and Paul was bad for business so they saw the this church they saw demons they saw other gods um you know and and people you know uh, that swore allegiance to other gods they saw you know healings miraculous signs and wonders they saw spiritual um warfare all over the place. So this was not Paul trying to convince people that spiritual warfare existed and that they needed to get on board. This was him saying, hey, this is what we talked about. This is what I talked to you about when I was there. I know you guys are already you know, versed in this. Let's just kind of go through this one more time. For many of us, myself included, we're still kind of stuck on Ephesians 6.12 for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world so many of us still think that our primary you know um enemies are flesh and blood it's those people or that you know politician or this political party and we think it's flesh and blood so many of us we're we're we we, we got to go back to the the milk and you know Ephesians six. It's an advanced. It's an advanced. It's an AP course in in spiritual warfare. So it's it's gonna take us a lot of us a little while to kind of ramp up to that. But it's there for us. Two more. Number nine, the armor of God is the church's path to revival and renewal, and that's one of the things. Just sitting over the last couple of weeks, thinking about it, is that. As much as the middle school boy in me wants this to be some mystical, magical, secret quest to this you know, set of armor that would just unlock the victory against the devil. It's just Paul reminding the church throughout the entire book of Ephesians and then recapping that in the Armor of God passage of what it means to be the church. And I think if I had to... <laughs> Put another title on it. I think you could also say A First Century Guide to Revival. The church's first century guide to revival. That if we want to defeat the devil, that we as a community, as a family, as a Jesus family, as a church if we began to speak like Jesus and act like Jesus towards everyone, not just those inside the building, but those outside the building, if we began to truly share with those to whom God has prepared us, if we truly trusted like Jesus and we truly transformed like Jesus, and if we spoke the words of Jesus, I think that is an absolute guaranteed pathway to revival. And it's how you defeat the devil. And it's how the spirit is activated and just moves in power in our midst. So I think this is a... This is such a powerful passage, not just for us and our peace of mind, just not, not just for those that we love and care for, not even for our small group, not even you know, for those in our Christian community. But for our churches, I think I would argue that if you want a path to revival, many times, at least in the environments that I grew up in, how we asked for revival was, God, you know, we don't want to change anything. We just want you to come and make everything easier for us. But I think Paul lays out the groundwork of like, no, here are six things you can do. Are you saturating your mind with the truth that is in Jesus? Not just true-ish things or Christian things or other people's interpretations of what they want the Bible to say, but are you filling your minds literally with the words of Jesus? Are you acting right towards others? I mean, if someone has some something against you, I mean, have you, have you acted rightly? Have you acted justly towards them? You know, who is God um, calling you to share the gospel with? Again, not just those that look like you and act like you and, and share your beliefs and values, but what barriers is he asking you to cross to share the gospel of Jesus with? If we begin to do that hard work, don't be surprised if revival follows it. So, whether it's you are what you think, or a first century guide to defeating the devil, or the church's pathway to revival, I think the the armor of God in Ephesians 6 is so incredibly valuable. That's number nine. Last but certainly not least, the victory is ours. I want to finish on a positive note. The victory is ours to secure together. And what I mean by that is this. The victory is ours to secure together. Remember that Paul says at the beginning three different times, to stand to stand and after you've done everything to stand and he sets the framework of this whole passage on spiritual warfare not in the context of satan's got the high ground and we got to take it back from him and he's got the upper hand no, no no we're the ones that are standing satan's the one trying to knock us off our perch we're not trying to knock him off his perch he's trying to knock us off our perch why because we have already secured the victory through Jesus. That when Jesus died on the cross and was risen from the dead three days later, he secured a victory in the heavenlies that will never be taken away. And so the victory, it just it's so much better for us to approach this from an attitude and from a mindset of victory than from a mindset of defeat. The victory is ours to secure together. So, those are some final thoughts on um, the book of Ephesians, specifically Ephesians 6 and the armor of God. I hope that it has been helpful for you as much as it's been helpful for me just to dive deep into it, to do some forensic exegesis and really dig deep into it. It's been um, It's shaped me and uh, it's been incredibly refreshing to me. It's given me some things that I want to do forward with uh, moving forward with those that I follow Jesus alongside. So that's gonna finish this series. I'm gonna take a couple of weeks break for uh, the Christmas season and Lord Willing in 2024. I've got a brand new series that I've been praying about for next several uh, for the last couple of weeks. I'm really, really, really excited about it. It's gonna be bigger and definitely more um, grander in scope and in aim than even this was. Um, but I want to just pray on it a little bit more and just kind of process it and make sure that's something I really feel the Spirit uh, leading me to do. So I'll be sharing that in the next couple of weeks. Lord willing, we will be back here in 2024. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. If you have any questions, concerns, follow-ups, agreements, disagreements, please reach out to me. Thank you so much. See you really soon.